Well, it's good to see you here this morning. Some of you may be surprised that Pastor Chad is not here, but he is our Zona Camp Director, and uh, because of that, he is, uh, he is not able to be here. And I said, well, since you're going to be serving over there, I'd be glad to come and uh, preach for you while you're gone. And this gives me just a great opportunity to brag on your pastor. I'm so proud of him and so thankful that he's here, aren't you? Yeah, he's doing such a great job good leader, and uh, we just appreciate him greatly. I appreciate you as a church family, allowing him to continue to serve as the uh, Zona Camp Director. I know that takes him out, it takes him away. Uh, one of the good things is it actually puts him in relationship with other pastors and youth ministers, and uh, so he has a, a really strong connect, connection and uh, community built with that, and so I'm very thankful for that. And I just got a text from him before I walked up here this morning, said, I'm praying for you this morning and for the church. And so I'm thankful for him. Thankful for you as a church. I don't know if you realize this or not, but last year, your church gave over $40,000 to missions through the cooperative program. And I'm just, I just wanted to say thank you for your generosity, for giving to missions and your support. Because of what you do, there are missionaries around the world today that are telling people about Jesus and sharing the good news. And uh, you're helping plant churches and send students to seminary and uh, help uh, organizations like Arizona Baptist Children's Services. And we are so, so thankful for what you give. So thank you for that. I see Truth Baker right out here who led uh, ABCs for such a long time. And uh, so thankful that he and Carolyn are here today. Also wanted to say thank you for what you do for Kids Camp. I just came off of a week of Kids Camp, and we're going to talk a little bit about the story of Jonah today, because that's what your kids have been learning all this week. And I wanted you to be able to just hear some of the things that they are, uh, they've learned this week. Oh, something's happening. I, it fell off my ear. No, it didn't. Uh, is that better? Okay, a little bit better. Okay. Well, my ear is probably a little bit bigger than Chad's. He's, you know. And then he's got all that beard stuff to hang it in, you know, just kind of hold on to it like that. I can't grow a beard, so I can't look cool. All right. So I just want to say thank you for what you do for Kids Camp, because you may or may not realize this, but the kitchen crew is led by your church, and uh, they do such a great job. We ate so well this week, uh, and I just appreciate those who served uh, cooking and serving and doing all of that work. Uh, and I appreciate, uh, appreciate Josh and his leadership of your, your uh, kids' ministry, and uh, he's helped with that, uh, that team all this year. So thank you, Josh, for that and for all that you do uh, as well. Well, I think every prophet should have their own fish, don't you? This is, this is my fish. Now, this is Sammy, and Sammy made an appearance this past week at Kids Camp, and uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that. My favorite story in the Bible is the story of Jonah. Uh, by far. I just, I love this book. I've preached it. I've uh, taught it. I, I've just done a lot with uh, the book of Jonah. And, and I love this story, but my favorite character in the book is the fish. I mean, you know, you've got to have a fish. It's just, it's just such a great story. But there's always this, these, these questions about the fish, like what was the fish? And I've heard the most ridiculous 
arguments and debates about, oh, it was a, it was a whale. No, it, it wasn't a whale. Couldn't be a whale. The whale is, uh, has a gullet that's too small. Couldn't swallow somebody. No, no, it had to be a shark. No, it wasn't a shark because then it would have eaten Jonah and it didn't eat Jonah. It threw Jonah up. Well, it had to be another kind of fish. Well, what kind of fish could do that? And then you hear these other ridiculous stories like, I heard about a guy who was diving out at Lake Pleasant and he saw a catfish and it was seven feet long. That could have been the, the fish that swallowed Jonah and just... Just ridiculous story after ridiculous story. The truth is, we'll never know what kind of fish it was, and it doesn't matter. God made the fish, and he can make a fish any size he wants to, can't he? All right, so it doesn't matter. The bigger question is, why? Why did God send the fish? What does the fish mean? That's the bigger question. Because there's this, this different take on this book of Jonah. Now, I don't know if you ever looked at a children's book on, uh, on the book of Jonah, but I've, I've re-looked at some of those storybooks that I read to my kids, and I'm horrified. I mean, it's like Jaws for kids, you know? You have these pictures of this great big fish and this guy, and it's swallowing him up. What are we doing to our kids? I mean, it just looks horrifying. And then along with that is this, uh, I call it theological intimidation. All right, so here's the, the, the way we tell the story to kids is you better not run from God because if you run from God, he's going to send a big fish. It's going to swallow you up. It's just like this threat. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that's not what the fish is all about at all. The fish plays a completely different role. He was not sent to punish Jonah. He was sent to save him. So let's look at this story of Jonah. If you have your Bibles, if you'll just open up to this little book. Uh, It's tucked away in the Old Testament. And if you'll find that book while I'm talking, you may have to look at the table of contents. It's so small. By the way, it takes eight minutes, eight minutes to read the story of Jonah. I've timed it. I've also timed it in my audio Bible. All right, so eight minutes. So profound. This story is really not a story about Jonah. It's really a story about God. It's a story about who God is. What is his character and his nature? And the struggle that Jonah had to really understand that. The hero of this story is God. And as we look at this story, I think you'll see how much it tells us about him, and it also tells us about ourselves. So let's begin in Jonah chapter 1, and I just want to walk through this story today and talk to you a little bit about what it looks like to be empowered by God's grace. I know you're in this series this summer about being empowered, looking at different characters in Scripture that were empowered. Jonah is an example of being empowered by God's grace and how God demonstrated that grace in Jonah's life and through Jonah. So Jonah chapter 1, it says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship that was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
Now we're familiar with this part of the story. God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh and instead of going north and east, he goes south and west and catches a boat to go further to the west. He wants to get as far away from Nineveh as possible. Why would he do that? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons why he did that. Nineveh was not a nice place. It's the capital of Assyria. It was known for their cruelty, their their hatred, uh, the way that they treated other people for their idolatry. They were known for all of those things. And and because of their reputation in the ancient world, it, it could have been that Jonah ran away just because he was scared. I mean, it would be intimidating to go to Nineveh and proclaim anything against it, much less something from the Lord God. And so, so there's, there's a lot of reasons why he might have run. He might have run simply because of their hatred. There was legendary hatred between Israel and Assyria. Some of that was political because of uh, territory that was being conquered. But, but some of it was just plain racial. They, they hated them because of who they were. They, they couldn't stand them because they were, they were Assyrians. And some of it was just theological because they, they, they worshipped other gods. And, and the, the people of Israel felt like they had found the true and living God. And, and they didn't want to have anything to do with these Assyrians. So just think of it kind of like this. What if right after 9-11, right after 9-11, if God had called you or someone you know and love to to go and be a missionary in Baghdad to proclaim a sentence or a condemnation from God against it, that'd be pretty intimidating, wouldn't it? It's even more intimidating when you realize that the capital of Assyria was Nineveh and the capital of Iraq is Baghdad. Iraq is actually ancient Assyria. You see, that's, that's the connection. So no wonder Jonah ran. He didn't want to have anything to do with Nineveh. Certainly didn't want to have anything to do with proclaiming God's word to Nineveh. But God had a purpose. And his purpose was he wanted to demonstrate his grace to these evil, cruel, hateful people because by demonstrating grace to them, he could not only demonstrate who he was to the people of Israel, but also to the people of Nineveh, and he would be able to display his glory by this lavish outpouring of his grace. That's God's purpose from from the very beginning. And he's sending Jonah as a messenger to deliver that message. Well, of course, you know the story. Jonah runs. He goes the opposite direction. He gets on this ship. And as they're out on the ship, it says that God hurls a wind against this ship. And it creates a storm. There's, there's several places in the book of Jonah where it says that God does something special. He hurls a wind. He creates a storm. He sends a fish. He, he gets a, a plant to grow. He sends a worm. All these divine interventions throughout this story. But he hurls this wind, creates this storm, and the sailors are are desperate they're afraid they're they're crying out to their gods because they don't know the true and the living god and and to no avail their gods have no ability to save them because they're no gods at all and and finally they discover that jonah is the one that's really responsible for this and jonah fesses up he says yeah i i'm an i'm an israelite and i i worship the god of israel and he he has called me and i'm i'm running from him And he says, the only thing you can do that will make this storm go away is is to throw me overboard. 
And, and they continue to pray to their gods, do everything they can. And finally, they're so desperate that they pray. Notice that the first prayer that takes place in the book of Jonah is not uttered by Jonah. It's uttered by godless, pagan sailors who don't even know God. And they say, oh God, probably said, oh God that Jonah serves. Please forgive us for what we're about to do because we don't know anything else we can do except throw him overboard. And so they throw him overboard. And the sea becomes calm. And it says that the sailors then worshipped God. They prayed to him and then they worshipped him and made sacrifices to him. God displayed his grace to these sailors. He didn't have to do that. The sea could have continued in its stormy rage, but God chose to calm that sea to demonstrate his grace to those sailors. And they experienced the grace of God. Meanwhile, Jonah is starting to sink. Now cut down to the last verse of Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. And here's what you find. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. See what happens here. Is Jonah is thrown overboard and he starts to sink. And he's going down, down, down in the water. And Jonah knows he's about to die. He's going to die because there's no hope for him under that water. And then suddenly, God sends our friend. Sends the fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah, his response to that is, Oh no, God's punishing me because I ran from him. No, his response from the belly of the fish is this. He said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice, for you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains and the earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought me up, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. It's clear that Jonah regards the fish not as God's punishment, but as God's salvation to him. God's grace. Because God is now saving Jonah's life and is going to give him a second chance. That's why down in verse 10, Jonah makes a statement, which I think is the, the theme of the entire book, but it's a statement that, that is incredibly profound. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, I'm sorry, it says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Salvation is from the Lord. So now Jonah himself has had an experience with God's grace, not unlike those sailors have. 
And now God Himself is going to give Jonah the opportunity to fulfill what the calling that He has given to him. It says in verse 10, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. So we see God's grace to those sailors. Now God's grace to Jonah. Now we're going to see God's grace to this city of Nineveh. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. And that probably means it took about three days to walk across that city. 120,000 people, large city. But this is what it says, verse 4. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Notice that Jonah didn't even make it three days. Jonah only preaches one day. And as he begins to proclaim this message, they begin to repent. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's eight words. Eight words. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Proof positive that a sermon need not be long to be effective. (laughs) Just eight words. But if they're the right eight words... God can use that message to do a great work. And in this particular place, they began to repent. It says from the least to the greatest, all the way up to the king. In fact, the king proclaims a fast across the entire city and says no one is to eat or drink anything. Not even the animals are to eat or drink anything. He says perhaps the Lord will change his mind and not destroy the city. And down at the end of, verse, of chapter 3, in verse 10, it says, When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had declared He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. It's God's grace to Nineveh. Now the interesting thing to me is that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, refers to this story because he is asked by those religious leaders even though they had seen him do miracle after miracle after miracle just like we read about a few moments ago about the healing of the blind man they had seen him do all those miracles but they came and said we want to see a sign from you we want to see a sign in Matthew chapter 12 verse 40 Jesus said no sign is going to be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. And he says the people of Nineveh will rise up in judgment against this generation because they repented when they heard the preaching of Jonah. Jesus Jesus says that this story points straight to him. This story points straight to Jesus. Because just as God showed His grace to the people of Nineveh, just as God showed His grace to Jonah, Jesus came to bring God's grace to us. 
And the sign that Jesus was talking about was nothing less than his death, burial, and resurrection. And that sign was to be a proof to those who were doubting who he was, but even greater than proof, which the resurrection is the ultimate proof of our faith, even greater than proof, it demonstrates the meaning of what Jesus did. Because in that experience that Jonah had, Jonah died. God brought him back to life figuratively through that fish, showed his grace, and then that preaching that took place, the repentance that took place in Nineveh made it possible for them to experience God's grace. And so it is now with us. God has given us His grace through sending His Son, Jesus Christ, who was crucified, dead, and buried, and rose again on the third day, so that now, as we hear the gospel of His redemptive love and His, his death on the cross proclaimed to us, we make the same response that those in Nineveh did. We turn from our sin and we turn from Jesus to repent and now we can experience God's grace as well. That's one of the reasons why I love this story. It's a demonstration of the gospel. It's a demonstration of God's grace. His grace for all of us. And you would think, you would think that Jonah would just be rejoicing to see what happened in the city of Nineveh, that they had turned from all those evil deeds that they had done that caused him such fear and anger. But, but that's not how Jonah responds at all. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Where did Jonah learn that? Well, he knew that because that's exactly the way God had revealed himself to Moses back in Exodus chapter 34. When God appeared to Moses, passed by him, proclaimed his name. That's exactly what he said. He's the kind of God who is filled with loving kindness and forgives the iniquity of thousands. And Jonah said, that's exactly what I was afraid of. I was afraid of this. That they would turn and you would, you would change your mind and you wouldn't wipe them out because that's what I want. I want them to be wiped out. Look at verse 3. Therefore now, Lord, please take my life. For death is better to me than life. Jonah's so angry, he just wants to die. And so God decides he's going to teach Jonah a lesson. Jonah goes up on the hill, overlooking the city of Nineveh, builds himself a little shelter, and, and he's just waiting. I, I think he's waiting because he's hoping, he's just hoping that God will still decide to destroy the, the, the city and he'll have a good view of the fireworks. But God decides he's going to teach Jonah a lesson. So he makes this plant grow up over that shelter and it gives Jonah shade. And as that is there, Jonah is so happy, so happy that, that he, just, he just can't contain himself. He loves this plant. He's so happy that it's giving him shade. And then God sends a worm, just like he sent the fish, sends a worm. And the worm eats away at the plant so that the plant withers and dies. And then God sends this scorching wind, you know, like the one that you experience here in Phoenix right about now, 
scorching wind like this big blow dryer and, and, and the sun is beating down on him. And again, he's so angry because the plant has died. He's so upset and he, he complains to God. And God says, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry at, uh, about the plant? And Jonah says, yes, it's right to be angry. I'm angry enough to die. And then God asks him a question. Look at verses 10 and 11. This is the way the book ends. With a question. It's such an odd ending. And yet profound. Verse 10 says, Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh? The great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left hand, as well as many animals. You hear what God is saying to Jonah? Jonah, you have more compassion for this plant than you do these people. These are people that I created. These are people that are created in my image. And while you may hate them, and you may be angry at them, I want to show my grace to them because I made them. Jonah, do you not understand that these people are valuable and meaningful to me? Who do we look like more in this story? Do we look more like Jonah? Or do we look more like God? How many of us, like Jonah, have experienced the grace of God to save us and yet withhold that grace from others because we feel like they may not be worthy. They may not be the right kind of people. I am told that every year on the Day of Atonement in Orthodox Judaism that they read through the book of Jonah and when they've read through that book, they join together in a confession. And they say together, we are Jonah. We are Jonah. We have experienced the grace of God. We've received the grace of God. He has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we might be saved by His grace, not by what we have done. We are we're just like the people of Nineveh. We're unworthy. We, we don't deserve the grace of God. He gives it to us. And for us to withhold that grace from others or fail to show that grace to those who need it worst makes us just like Jonah. And God is still a God of grace and compassion who wants everyone to be able to experience that. Most of you in this room know the story of our son, Jeremiah, who went as a missionary to Mozambique when he was 21 years old, gave his life there to bring the gospel to people who had never heard about Christ. But the reason he went, the reason he went was because on a mission trip, when he was playing soccer with some children, God spoke to him. And this is the question that God asked. Who will tell these children about me? Who will tell these children about me? 
And that question still comes to us today. Because God has compassion for all of those who do not know Him. They want, he wants them to be able to experience His grace as well. So the question remains, who are we more like in the story? Are we more like Jonah? We've experienced God's grace, but we're not sure we want others to experience it as well. Are we more like God, who sees those who need Him, who need His grace, and wants to use us to share it with them? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank You for this story what it teaches us about you, what it teaches us about your grace that is, that is even for those who least deserve it. Because it's by showing that grace that you are glorified. And Lord, we thank you that you have shown that grace to us by sending your son, Jesus Christ, so that we might be saved. And that this story of Jonah is just a picture of what Jesus has done for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that has never turned to you like the people in Nineveh did and turned away from sin and turned to you for your grace that even this morning they would make a decision to do that. That, Lord, they would talk to someone who's here, one of the pastors. That, Lord, they would, they would make a decision to start following Jesus Christ and experience the grace of God that you have for us. Lord, I pray for those of us who already know you as Savior. That, Lord, we might be empowered by your grace, motivated by your grace, to, to see the grace that you have for, for those around us. May we show your grace and share your grace with even those that we feel like aren't deserving. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the grace that we've received. And I pray that in these moments, as you've spoken to us, that, Lord, we would respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Pastor Josh is down here at the front. We have others who can talk with you. If there's a decision you need to make, feel free to come down and talk with one of us. Pray with us. But I would encourage you during this time to just pray about what, what does God want you to do with this message of God's grace, to be empowered by God's grace, to share that with us.